Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Hey listeners, Daniel here. Over the past few years, through my work with a handful of direct-to-consumer brands, I've gotten a front row seat for different retention strategies. Email and SMS campaigns, discount blasts, you name it. Very few brands are taking the time to set up effective loyalty referral and membership programs. That's why you should consider using Rebo. Rebo is my favorite retention platform for Shopify stores, powering over 7,000 stores, including Hexclad, Outer Isle, and Rareform. Rebo increases your brand's repeat purchase by 20% or more through loyalty, referral, and membership programs. I've spent time with Stuart, Rebo's CEO personally, and I can guarantee you using Rebo will empower you to seamlessly set up effective loyalty and membership programs with minimal effort. If you're interested in giving Rebo a try, sign up for a demo on Rebo.io or email Stuart at Rebo.io. That's S-T-U-A-R-T at Rebo.io. I can guarantee you, you won't regret unlocking a new level of retention. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink AG1 first thing in the morning. It's the very first thing I put in my body before anything else. I personally love drinking it with fresh squeezed lemon juice. It makes me feel ready to take on my day. It's my personal start button and my body craves it daily. It has become an absolute staple in my routine. I originally gave AG1 a try because I was so tired of taking all these different supplements and I needed something simple that I could stick to. It's a routine that stays with me no matter where I go. The travel packs make it so easy and allow me to feel grounded no matter where I am. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash STW. That's drinkag1.com slash STW. Check it out. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Zach and Val Fishbane, founders of Spread the Love. Spread the Love is a self-funded food brand specializing in spreadables. They use only all-natural premium ingredients, producing almond butter, peanut butter, and jam in small batches. They strategically focus on e-commerce and food service channels throughout the U.S. and supply select natural grocery stores. It's rare to come across a profitable food brand that's never raised traditional VC, and we discuss some of the benefits and challenges the team has faced. Val and Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Daniel. So excited to be here. Hi, guys. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be chatting. So your story starts with a Vitamix blender and a wedding. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you guys started making peanut butter. Well, it starts with a woman who is passionate about wellness. Um, and that was the that was me. <laughs> Uh, back in 2013, I uh, just got a Vitamix blender from my girlfriends as a bridal shower gift. And then I started making like my own ketchup or soup or, you know, just like foods that you can buy from the store, but like you can actually make at home. 
And so one of those things were nut butters. And uh, Zach happens to be a lover of peanut butter. And uh, his peanut butter jar in his pantry had five ingredients in them. And so I'm like, oh, I want no wonder I don't like peanut butter. There's like five ingredients in them. And like the last one is peanuts. Um, so yeah, I started making my uh, own peanut butter. And then Zach and I, all of a sudden, you know, we thought instead of a CD with 10 of our songs, which we didn't have any songs, <laughs> uh, we would just give peanut butters to our wedding guests as wedding favors. And that's how Spread the Love got started. Yeah, the peanut butter was not even the first idea as the wedding gift. It was, we were already making probably like one jar a week just for personal consumption. Mm -hmm. And it was a very do-it-yourself, shoes optional wedding. And so we didn't want to like, you know, we, we basically orchestrated all of the details and every single thing from from the tables to the to where the location was to the flowers and everything and so like yeah we we didn't want to like at the last minute the last thing that we give to somebody just you know get something bought in china for example right so we i would imagine probably like over breakfast eating some that homemade peanut butter like the light bulb went off it's like why don't we give this to our guests and and two weeks later, we made 150 jars from a Vitamix blender. And it was a lot of loud noises. <laughs> when a Vitamix blender like overheats every like or, 10, or 10 it jars. it stops too. before it overheats. Sure. But it, yeah. was like, it, took, it took like two weeks to get through those 150 jars. It took a long time to make 40 pounds of peanut butter. It was, it was a lot. So you make all this peanut butter. And how did you know that you had something special? So as... As we were lucky to have it. Um, our caterer showed up a little late and people already had the peanut butter like on their tables and people are getting hungry, right? People are like, dude, like, what's up? You know, we, we've had the open bar already. We need to eat something. You know, the, 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 the Napolitano pizza guy is not there yet. The oven break pizza was not there. So people started cracking open their jars of peanut butter. And which, they were fingering the peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were, they were starting, they were starting to like eat this and, and, it was, it popped off and people like right after the wedding, you know, people were like, listen, like, can you make some more of this for, for, for me or for my friends or for coworkers and people on social media were sharing it. And so then we had people who weren't invited to the wedding that were learning about it saying, oh, I want some of that peanut butter too. So it was like a, it was like our wedding gift to ourselves or the universe's wedding gift <laughs> to us. So Fast forward a little bit, you guys have had a very interesting or unique kind of channel strategy of growth, like mainly D2C, as well as like your wholesale business is a huge part of how you've grown. You know, you're the peanut butter and berries, et cetera. Tell me a little bit about how you've chosen to grow in this way, as opposed to, you know, trying to be in Whole Foods or every grocery store. So when we first started, um, it was at a farmer's market. The Melrose Place Farmers Market in West Hollywood. And this is in the first quarter of 2014. I remember it was like uh it was right, it was like the weekend right before Martin Luther King Day. Um, I do, I mean, I remember this. <laughs> okay. And so we the wedding was in the wedding was in May of 2013. We started just, you know, selling directly to some people, you know 
throughout the rest of the year. But our first formal, you know, entrance, if you will, our our debut was when we were at the Melrose Place Farmers Market. And for those three months, it was like cool. This is good. It was it was enough. It was enough for us to establish that there's a demand for clean label nut butter in the marketplace. But we realized with the hours that we were putting in that just wasn't really worth our time. It wasn't sustainable. So then we got into wholesale. Yeah, we got into Air One. We started uh, doing demos at Air One. And it was, it was at this point in time, it was like, it was peanut butter with cayenne pepper and cacao nibs and agave. It was something that we thought the market wanted. We were trying to create this peanut butter it was too it was a little too fancy like we thought we knew better than everyone else what they wanted and then people were like this is good do you mind doing something without the added sugar this is good do you mind something doing something without the cinnamon we're like whatever sure we'll make a single ingredient peanut butter it's probably not going to be that popular because who wants just one ingredient peanut butter and little did we know that took off and we learned very quickly first of all to always listen to the market we do not know better than the market the market tells us so we were just a little tapped in and we were fortunate enough to to get the memo um but we were doing you know we were knocking on doors getting into different independent grocers and everything was good and great it was fine it was growing slowly um but there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of margin that that is not hours when it's in the grocery you know i mean you've got to there's there's slotting fees there's the free fills um if you grow to a certain scale where you're doing national or even regional distribution um through some of these marquee grocers uh you're going to need brokers um you know there's all the different horror stories of chargebacks with different distributors so we realize like listen we don't want to pursue this quite yet um, let's focus on more profitable channels. So the D to C has been very rewarding for us, especially with e-commerce. Um, we would, we had been lean, leaning into e-commerce since before COVID, but when people stopped, you know, when people, I shouldn't say stop, but when people started focusing on online grocery for, for, for the duration of the lockdown, um, we were at the right place at the right time to take full advantage. And we were already, we already had an e-commerce strategy and that just accelerated our plans and got us to, uh, to a level of success earlier than I think we would have gotten if it was just a normal trajectory. Um, but we also do a lot of food service. So we do some of these big 15 pound pails, 40 pound pails. That's what we do with the different berries around the country. So there's different franchises of smoothies, healthy eateries, different places like this, industrial bakeries, places that are looking for large amounts of, you know, clean label nut butters. And that, that's, that's, that's allowed us to grow without needing to raise capital as well. And so um, I'm happy to get back into, you know, that those growth strategies later, but in a small snapshot, that's kind of, how we've uh, managed to grow to where we are today. As I realize summer is officially over, I'm trying to create daily habits that allow me to feel my best. I've been enjoying wild whey granola as part of my routine. 
It's made of 100% real ingredients with no added sugars, preservatives, seed oils, or flavorings. It's just a wholesome blend of nuts, seeds, dried fruit, and spices. It's the perfect mix of chewy and crunchy and the best addition to my morning yogurt. Head to Wild Way of Life to grab your bag. It's super unique because I think, uh, like intuitively, I I think of of nut butters and peanut butters being a relatively heavy product to ship direct to consumer. Um, And and thus, like, it, it might be a tough channel, but it sounds like from a growth perspective, you guys also haven't been that reliant on paid media to acquire customers. You've been able to do it rather organically. Um, yeah. And it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's been, you know, we've been around for 10 years now. And so it's years and years of like slow, but steady growth. I think uh, it has a lot to do with like a lot of patience and um just growing into the industry without having a focus of like, you know, like let's grow super quick. You know, we knew that this was going to be like our family's business and that, you know, we can grow into this slowly and as steadily as uh, we want to. Yeah. Daniel, also it's worth mentioning that when we started this, this was a side project. This was just a for a couple years for a couple of years. So like there was no pressure or no rush to get to a certain point. You know, I get it that if somebody is starting a company and this is their livelihood, like you do need outside capital. You do need to pursue that. But we were, we had the luxury of having our full-time jobs at that point. Oh, uh, such a luxury. So, you know, that was a social worker. So we're, I was we're Ryan, yeah. social worker for the county and it was such a luxury to have that full-time job. But the reason why I bring that up is that there was no there was no rush for us to grow. And we we still do. We take our time to do things right, because inevitably, with a lot of moving parts, there are things that need to be fine tuned. Some some require more maintenance than others. Some of those moving parts. Um, but for us, it's really important to do it right, do it well and scale. At a rate and pace that makes sense for us yeah 100 percent. and it and it seems like you know we've had a few guests on here and the story is a lot of the times it's been you know work with commands for the first you know let's say two to four even five years as you know you scale up you may stay with you know the same command or you might outgrow them and take on others and ideally you know some will will make the business case and decision to vertically integrate and i think what we were chatting before you guys were talking about kind of trying to self-manufacture um, in the early days and then ultimately, you know, making the decision to start working with Comans. Could you just talk a bit about um, kind of that process and and how you've kind of made that transition when it comes to production and supply? Sure. In the beginning, when we were manufacturing ourselves, I mean, it was such a small amount and we had what, what LA County allows you to do, at least, at least back in 2013 and 2014, um, it's called a cottage food license. And so this allowed us to actually have a food-based business out of our own home. Now, you can't do this if you're dealing with meats. You can't do it if you're dealing like with fish or dairy, but nut butter, it's uh, it's a non-perishable. It fell within the category, one of the categories that they'll they'll sanction this. LA County's Department of Public Health would sanction this. And so in the beginning, we were doing that, but we realized like a year in that this was, there was no way we could 
we could do this. So we were probably, probably after year one, we were already working with a co-man. And then since then we've diversified our co-manufacturing relationship. So we don't manufacture with just one co-man anymore. Um, if there's any bottleneck at any point in the supply chain, it's good to have other options. And that's, that's some, that's a nugget of wisdom that uh, we've, we've learned the hard way, you know, where it wasn't necessarily strategic and we were trying to get ahead of a problem by diversifying our supply chain and manufacturing. We, we learned where, wow, we were in a, we were in a tough position. Um, Just earlier this year. Yeah. Even earlier this year where we needed to have other manufacturing options. And even though that, supply chain snafu has corrected itself we still we still like having that diversified supply chain option especially when it comes to uh co-manning um but we would love in time in time i would i like i really do like the idea of vertical integration and that's something that i think would be that that's something in my growth plans. I would love to get to a point where it makes more sense. And at that point in time, it might that would that would require strategic investment or a partnership with the right kind of either investor or the right kind of larger food brand. Yeah. We were just talking about this earlier in the car. We like we like to make moves as a as a team. Uh, but we, it has to be the right time and it has to be when we're, when we feel ready, you know, and I've definitely like brought it up to Zach before, you know, like, why can't we self-manufacture like somewhere in Wisconsin where it's a little cheaper, you know, where he's from and, you know, where we could visit family still and, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's something, you know, that it's, it's risky and it's big, it's a big undertaking. And we feel like something like that would need, um, a strategic partner. It's also a different you know? problem set that, that I, I'm not educated on. So like I, that would require further due diligence and really understanding a different type of cost basis analysis when we're, when we're looking at, okay, like we could probably drive down our cost of production, but what other kind, you know, how's overhead and labor going to affect this? How's, you know, different types of workers' compensation, different types of insurance, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that. And the factory has to run every day. For yeah, it to be like, yeah. The factory has to run every day. I don't need a factory running 30 days a month right now. You know? Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious how you guys are continuing this growth. So Tell me a little bit about the process by which you bring on new wholesale partners or other like food service people. Are you going and sending samples of your peanut butter or almond butter to these places that you've deemed as like great, you know, smoothie shops or fitness boutique studios that make smoothies or things like that? Or tell me a bit about that strategy of growth. There's definitely an offensive play here where we do identify some some marquee prospects that we want to go after there's definitely an element of that but daniel had touched upon it earlier that there's a lot of earned and organic media already out there so every day we're getting inquiries into wholesale accounts on our website and so some of them might be small just little pet food manufacturers that just need 
one pail of peanut butter a month, or some of them are larger protein bar manufacturers that are looking for an almond butter without palm oil. And they find us and they reach out. We vet them, we look at them and we, we open wholesale accounts. So on our website, we have a wholesale portal. We have a very user-friendly D2C and B2B function. So if you're interested in wholesale, you let us know, we'll get you set up and there's no minimum order quantity. So there's no account that's too small. Any business is good business. And whether you want to order by the pail or you want to order by the pallet, we have something for that type of, that type of partner, I should say. Um, so it's a combination of us going after accounts that we want, but it's also a matter of just being available to the people reaching out to us. I remember at Expo West, we were looking for accounts like, you know, hospitals like Kaiser Permanente talked to us or Delta, if they need packets of peanut butter. Uh, those are the accounts that we got excited about. Um, here in LA, we definitely reach out to like uh, universities that have athletic departments. Not even just in LA, around the country. We work with a lot of different, we work with collegiate and professional yeah. sports programs. So I feel like that's a new kind of channel that, you know, we've always known that this is like a, you know, a fitness sports type of um, product. And uh, now we are just like focusing on like the universities and athletic uh, like teams um, throughout the country. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. You, it's funny, you guys talk about that 15 pound pail like it's only for food service but i feel like i would just buy one of those and oh. sit on sit on my couch and you know maybe just crush that in a week or two well, i used i, I mean used, seeing you drink that gallon of water yeah like, I, I can tell you're a big consumer of of things um <laughs> yeah actually on our tiktok uh, we specify that this is not only for food service or we don't even mention food service in our TikTok. It's like for families, you know, it's for your own consumption. You know, people see the pail of peanut butter and they're like so intrigued. Like it goes viral whenever we put a pail of peanut butter on TikTok. You, guys because have, you should you should launch a like uh, some sort of social challenge or campaign uh -huh. around like uh fastest time to like finish like a single person or or a family I don't know how you would do it of like to finish yeah. peanut butter you I guarantee you so many people would buy that like I would buy that pail and just like compete I could can I tell you can I tell you who's the fastest uh Rachel Mansfield yeah it's Rachel yeah, Mansfield yeah. yeah how fast did she yeah but she has a family of like six that's not fair I know I think she finished it in a month Oh, I could beat that. Daniel, Daniel could beat that. I know Daniel could beat that. Yeah. That's insanely yeah. fast. Yeah. Um, so then talking a bit more about just like peanut butter as a product, like obviously Skippy is really built the category. Um, you know, they're they're the big co. And then there are a series of amazing startups that have kind of focused on nut butters as well as peanut butters. Um, can you just talk about kind of your guys' commitment to ingredient quality and, and standards and and kind of what makes your your peanut butter just taste so good compared to the competition. And, you know, maybe it's about sugar content, maybe it's about oils and vegetable oils, you know, being absent of the product. But just like, what do you think is really essential in, in building an incredible 
um, spread within this space that empowers spread the love, obviously, to, to have an incredible product. I feel like from the beginning, from when we were making peanut butter at home, I always look for organic uh, ingredients to put in it. So our peanut butter is organic and we had to just pick the right type of peanut that tasted sweet and, you know, uh, a little like kind of a little salt at the same time. So we don't have to add the salt, um, just like a tasty you know, um, type of peanut. And I feel like that's something that we really, um, uh, you know, put importance on, you know, that this is the right ingredient, not just for our peanut butter, for our almond butter. Um, there's sunflower butter that we're thinking about, but sunflowers for some reason taste like shit. <laughs> so we have to find the right sunflower, you know, um, for it until uh, uh, before we go into it. So I feel like that's something that we really um, take pride in doing, um, just picking the right stuff. I also have a very, I mean, I, I guess I'm pretty easy to please when it comes to food, but like I'm also, I'm also, I don't, I don't buy many things, Daniel. I don't, I, I, I wear clothes until like the last thread falls off. I, I have too many shirts where, where it's like become so threadbare you can see through it. I do buy though. I am willing to pay a premium for good food, whether it's at the grocery store, whether it's online, whether it's farmer's at market. farmer's market or restaurant. Like I'm always happy to pay a premium for that kind of experience. And so I take food very seriously. And if it's not good enough for me, if it's not good enough for our daughter's if it's not good for those of us on our team and in our closest circles, then it's not good enough for anybody else. Um, so, it, you know, quality is obviously a function of the ingredients that we're sourcing, but it also comes down to the consistency and the experience that you're having with the nut butter. So we have more of a drizzleable consistency than a lot of other you know, that's one of the ways we've we've separated ourselves from a lot of the other nut butters in the category. We're not afraid of oil separation. Um, in fact, we are, you know, I grew up with Jif. I grew up with Skippy. I grew up with Peter Pan, right? That's, we all did. You, not Dan, me. not, that was, Yeah, not, but no, but no oil separation there, right? It's no oil no, separation. Like you can, yeah. you can open that jar of peanut butter. You can stick a knife right in the middle of it. And it, it like it'll that that peanut butter will support that knife and you can come back later that day and that knife is still up there it hasn't moved like you, there's enough stabilizers in there to just just keep that knife stuck in there. Um, ours in the beginning, people are like, wait, what, what is this? Why are you adding water to the peanut butter? Why are you adding these oils? Extra and we're like, oil, we're, yeah. In fact, we're not adding anything. What we're not doing is adding stabilizers. What we're not doing is adding the palm oil. So it's like, you know, just to kind of come back to what I was saying, it's not just the quality of the ingredients. It's also a function of what we're not putting in the nut butters. Yeah. And I, you guys don't just sell nut butters. I want to touch on this is, is spread the love also has jams. You guys do do a healthier Nutella, uh, hazelnut chocolate spread. Tell me a little bit about the diversification of the spread the love, like kind of portfolio or skew rationalization of like going into jams. What made you decide to do that? Or I mean, yeah, of course, like that was, uh, 
that was an easy that was an easy lift for us just because it's a popular combination for the two. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we were, you know, if people are going to be putting jam with spread the love peanut butter, let's, let's give them some clean label options for, you know, for, for jam to go with that. And so we make a raspberry jam and we make a marionberry jam, which is a type of blackberry. It's the state fruit of Oregon. So this also came out because um, I couldn't find a jam that didn't have pectin in it. And, you know, pectin is a thickener. It's not bad. It's not a bad thing at all, but um, nor salt, you know, like that's, those are not bad ingredients, but it's like, to us, it's like unnecessary to put the pectin in it when you're putting a lot more fruits and just a little less sugar. So, you know, this is something that, you know, it, it's really like our organic love for natural foods. Like you don't have to add like extra things just to like preserve it more or to, you know, to make it um, thicker or, you know, just things like that. Um, the Nutella also came from, you know, a lot of our families and friends love that spread and we're like well we can make that in like a healthier form it's gonna have sugar you know not that sugar is unhealthy you're gonna have sugar in your you know in in your lifestyle somehow um so we put a lot less sugar in that and it's still really tasty so um you know we try to do a lot with the least amount of ingredients that we can we yeah. also we also like we brand that chocolate hazelnut butter as chocolate hazelnut dessert butter. So it's 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 it allows us to introduce something with some added organic sugar um, without without deviating from our mission and value proposition to our customers. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's it comes in a smaller jar. It's it's branded as a dessert butter. It's it's clearly different from the rest of the family if you will but it's still it's still part of it we that was a strategic decision on our part to to really market it and sell it as a dessert butter because it is to be enjoyed as a delicacy totally you know I mean? totally yeah no 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 it's important um what can we expect next from spread the love like where any new skews coming out or kind of where do you where do we see the brand going so I mean, right now, you know, we're doing a lot of, um, I feel like we're trying to like be consistent with the new co-manufacturers that we have. Like a lot of the focus goes to that. And so creating new something is just going to make things a little difficult for us. So as much as I want to, you know, introduce like sunflower butter or tahini, like those are the things that we're thinking about it's like, it's a little tough right now. So we're just going to like, you know, make it feel like when it, when it, when the time is organic and when it feels right, then we're going to introduce a new skew. A lot of the times when we introduce a new skew, Rachel, is when there's a certain request with a certain volume that's needed for a food service customer, right? So for example, we offer an almond cashew butter. Um, this happened because an account needed almond cashew butter. So we were like, cool. You know, I mean, we're, we're, it doesn't make sense for us to produce all of these jars of a product 
and then sit on this inventory and cross our fingers and hope it sells, right? I would much rather piggyback off of a larger production run that we're doing in food service volume. And like, you know what? This is pretty cool. We're making an almond cashew butter for account ABC. They need 3,200 pounds of that. Why don't we make an extra 400 jars? Let's just put 400 in jars and experiment. That way we kind of, we, we limit our risk in that if it doesn't sell as well as we need it to, we only made 400 jars of this. You know what I mean? Instead of producing, you know, like, you know, minimum order quantities with, with our commands, it's, it's significant. So to sit on like six pallets of, of jars is not a prudent business decision. If we're unsure of how it's going to sell the peanut butter, the almond butter, like it's, it's a challenge for us to keep that in stock, you know, just because that moves so quickly, you know, but when we get, when we get the, these orders or we start to ideate recipes with certain food service accounts, we'll often piggyback off of that. That's how the chocolate hazelnut butter happened as well. That's how the almond cashew butter happened. You know, um, I think what we, you know, 2023 has been a very interesting year in the industry. Um, you know, there's been us, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of financial distress throughout the industry. Um, we've managed our finances very well, but, you know, different places in our world have suffered financial distress. So if anywhere in our supply chain they're under financial distress. It becomes our problem as well. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really looking at 2023 as more of a year in which we're just getting the right, I guess, to, to liken it to an automobile, to a car, like, you know, we're, we're making sure that the engine is right. We're making sure that transmission is right. We're making sure that everything is solid because we need to make sure that this machine is well-oiled, that it's solid, that it can scale as fast as we need it to when we're really to put our foot to the metal. So there's been a lot of, there's just been a lot of fine tuning this year. We, 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 you know, continuing to meet demand, current demand and continuing to lean into, continuing to lean into the new channels, especially with the athletic programs, with more of these hospitals, with more of the professional sports teams. Um, this is continuing to get bigger and bigger. And so we have a growing demand. Um, but before we get too aggressive, we want to, we got to make sure that the system can sustain that, that scalability, which I'm confident it will. Um, but that's also something too, is that as passionate as we are about our assortment and the brand, I personally am as passionate about the, the business side of this. Like I'm real, I get very excited. I nerd out about logistics, supply chain. I'm very hands-on in that regard. I think more than most CEOs, I think a lot of what I've learned that a lot of CEOs, especially among companies that have raised capital is that they really focus so much of their time on getting meeting with investors, you know, figuring out ways to bring in more capital for growth. Like I'm, I'm all about the, the operations, all about the logistics. I love sales obviously, but making sure that this, that this machine is effective and efficient is something I'm passionate about and that I hold near and dear. Totally. So when I, when I feel like we are good and ready to take it to the next level, we will. Yeah, no, for sure. 
Um, I love that. Uh, we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So what are some things that you guys do on a daily or weekly, monthly basis to be able to show up not only for your families, but for spread the love? Zach, I heard, uh, Zach, I heard you're like a professional tennis player based off of LinkedIn. Yes. Yes. He is so good. He's winning all the time. (laughs) I do. I do play competitive tennis, definitely far from professional, but I did. I remember I did post something on LinkedIn a while back where I was wearing some branded spread the love swag. NIL. I was like, hey, you know what? It might be my company, but I have an I have an NIL deal with my own company. So if I'm getting paid as a tennis player to wear my own brand sweatshirt, technically I'm a professional tennis player. <laughs> you you know? So uh yeah, I'll take it with my my USTA 3.5 rating. I still only get about 40% of You're my You're gonna be 4.0, babe. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. No, I tennis is something I do play. I, I love competitive sports. I grew up playing sports. So uh, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. So tennis is how I would, you know, competitive tennis is how I subscribe. One of my ways that I subscribe to wellness. I'm more of a Pilates, your LA Pilates girl. And uh, I do Peloton and uh, therapy. We have a business coach that, you know, Zach and I uh, share. And, uh, you know, that's something that definitely helps us get through our relationship, our business our children and uh our wellness (laughs) we also do a date night every week Mm -hmm. rain or shine whether val's mad at me or not like we will on it's always on the calendar we always wednesdays depending on my tennis schedule yes yeah (laughs) so yeah we we do a date night that's really good for us to kind of just you know let off some steam just relax have a glass of wine and just kind of remind ourselves why we're doing what we're doing and why it's important for us. Love it. Where can uh, our listeners learn more about spread the love? Definitely spread the love foods.com. Definitely on TikTok. I mean, at spread the love foods at spread the love and uh, Instagram uh, spread the love at spread the love. Cool. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Awesome time connecting and chatting and, and love the story. We're huge fans and, can't wait to start crushing my tub by the couch for the next few months. That'd be good. Well, thank you again, <laughs> Rachel and Daniel, for this opportunity and Rachel. wishing you guys continued success. I know you guys are both doing big things and, uh, you know, the podcast, it's it's special and we greatly appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.